0: SECTION 38 OF EXPOSITORY THOUGHTS ON THE GOSPEL OF ST. MARK BY J. C. RYLE CHAPTER 9 VERSES 14 TO 29 THE BOY WITH AN UNCLEAN SPIRIT HEALED THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. READ BY MARIANNE. MARK CHAPTER 9 VERSES 14 TO 29 And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered, and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out. And they could not. He answered them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? And bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him but if thou canst do anything have compassion on us and help us jesus said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears lord i believe help thou mine unbelief when jesus saw that the people came running together he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? and he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. The contrast between these verses and those which precede them in the chapter is very striking. We pass from the Mount of Transfiguration to a melancholy history of the work of the devil. We come down from the vision of glory to a conflict with satanic possession. We change the blessed company of Moses and Elias for the rude intercourse of unbelieving scribes. We leave the foretaste of millennial glory and the solemn voice of God the Father testifying to God the Son, and return once more to a scene of pain, weakness, and misery. A boy in agony of body, a father in deep distress, and a little band of feeble disciples baffled by Satan's power and unable to give relief. The contrast, we must all feel, is very great yet it is but a faint emblem of the change of scene that Jesus voluntarily undertook to witness when he first laid aside his glory and came into the world. And it is, after all, a vivid picture of the life of all true Christians. With them, as with their master, work, conflict, and scenes of weakness and sorrow will always be the rule. With them, too, visions of glory, foretastes of heaven, seasons on the mount— will always be the exception let us learn from these verses how dependent christ's disciples are on the company and help of their master we see this truth brought out in a striking manner in the scene which meets our lord's eyes when he came down from the mount like moses when he came down from mount sinai he finds his little flock in confusion he sees his nine apostles beset by a party of malicious scribes and baffled in an attempt to heal one who had been brought to them possessed with a devil the very same disciples who a short time before had done many miracles and cast out many devils had now met with a case too hard for them they were learning by humbling experience the great lesson without me ye can do nothing john chapter fifteen verse five it was a useful lesson no doubt and overruled to their spiritual good It would probably be remembered all the days of their lives. The things that we learn by smarting experience abide in our memories, while truths heard with the ear are often forgotten. But we may be sure it was a bitter lesson at the time. We do not love to learn that we can do nothing without Christ. We need not look far to see many illustrations of this truth in the history of Christ's people in every age. The very men who at one time have done great exploits in the cause of the gospel at another time have failed entirely and proved weak and unstable as water the temporary recantations of cranmer and jewel are striking examples the holiest and best of christians has nothing to glory of his strength is not his own he has nothing but what he has received he has only to provoke the lord to leave him for a season And he will soon discover that his power is gone like samson when his hair was shorn he is weak as any other man let us learn a lesson of humility from the failure of the disciples let us strive to realize every day our need of the grace and presence of christ with him we may do all things without him we can do nothing at all with him we may overcome the great temptations without him the least may overcome us let our cry be every morning leave us not to ourselves we know not what a day may bring forth if thy presence go not with us we cannot go up let us learn in the second place from these verses how early in life we are liable to be injured by satan we read a fearful description of the miseries inflicted by satan on the young man case is here recorded. And we are told that he had been under this awful visitation from his very infancy. It came to him of a child. There is a lesson of deep importance here which we must not overlook. We must labor to do good to our children even from their earliest years. If Satan begins so early to do them harm, we must not be behind him in diligence to lead them to God. How soon in life a child becomes responsible and accountable is a difficult question to solve—perhaps far sooner than many of us suppose. One thing, at all events, is very clear. It is never too soon to strive and pray for the salvation of the souls of children, never too soon to speak to them as moral beings, and tell them of God, and Christ, and right, and wrong. The devil, we may be quite sure, loses no time in endeavoring to influence the minds of young people. He begins with them even of a child let us work hard to counteract him if young hearts can be filled by satan they can also be filled with the spirit of god let us learn in the third place from these verses how faith and unbelief can be mixed together in the same heart the words of the child's father set this truth before us in a touching way lord he cried i believe help thou mine unbelief. We see in these words a vivid picture of the heart of many a true Christian. Few indeed are to be found among believers in whom trust and doubt, hope and fear do not exist side by side. Nothing is perfect in a child of God so long as he is in the body. His knowledge and love and humility are all more or less defective and mingled with corruption. As it is, with his other graces, so it is with his faith. He believes, and yet has about him a remainder of unbelief. What shall we do with our faith? We must use it. Weak, trembling, doubting, feeble as it may be, we must use it. We must not wait till it is great, perfect, and mighty, but like the man before us, turn it to account, and hope, that one day it will be more strong. Lord, he said, I believe. What shall we do with our unbelief? We must resist it and pray against it. We must not allow it to keep us back from Christ. We must take it to Christ, as we take all other sins and infirmities and cry to him for deliverance. Like the man before us, we must cry, Lord, help mine unbelief. These are experimental truths. Happy are they who know something of them. The world is ignorant of them. Faith and unbelief, doubts and fears, are all foolishness to the natural man. But let the true Christian study these things well, and thoroughly understand them. It is of the most importance to our comfort to know that a true believer may be known by his inward warfare, as well as by his inward peace. Let us mark in the last place the complete dominion which our lord exercises over satan and all his agents the spirit who was too strong for the disciples is at once cast out by the master he speaks with mighty authority and satan at once is obliged to obey i charge thee come out of him and enter no more into him we may leave the passage with comfortable feelings greater is he that is for us than all they that are against us satan is strong busy active malicious but jesus is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto god by him from the devil as well as from sin from the devil as well as from the world let us possess our souls in patience jesus still lives and will not let satan pluck us out of his hand JESUS STILL LIVES, AND WILL SOON COME AGAIN TO DELIVER US ENTIRELY FROM THE FIERY DARTS OF THE WICKED ONE. THE GREAT CHAIN IS PREPARED. REVELATION CHAPTER 20, VERSE 1 SATAN SHALL ONE DAY BE BOUND. THE GOD OF PEACE SHALL BRUISE SATAN UNDER OUR FEET SHORTLY. ROMANS CHAPTER 16, VERSE 20 FOOTNOTE THE EXPRESSION GREATLY AMAZED IN THE FIFTEENTH VERSE OF THE passage NOW EXPOUNDED DESERVES SOME NOTICE. The Greek word is exceedingly strong, and implies a feeling much beyond that which the English word amazed conveys to our minds. It certainly seems as if some traces of visible glory, or, at any rate, some expression of extraordinary majesty appeared in our Lord's countenance after the Transfiguration. It reminds us of the face of Moses, shining when he came down from the mount. End of footnote End of section thirty-eight